Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? Hey, before we get going, let's give a quick shout out to our partners here at Auburn Live and the Auburn Live show. First of all, Southeastern, great bar in downtown Auburn, fantastic two story building. Beautiful place, uh, great lounge upstairs, tons of TVs, outdoor seating area, some finger foods and stuff like that as well. Awesome location in downtown Auburn. Go visit Southeastern. Great game day experience, uh, weekend experience. Um, just go check them out, Southeastern, on Magnolia. Other partner, the Irritable Bow Restaurant, also on Magnolia, on the other side uh, of the street in downtown downtown Auburn, down, down Magnolia. Go check them out. Really good Chinese bao uh, food, uh, sh- shrimp, shrimp rolls and, and steak, steak and, and, and chicken uh, skewers and um, rice bowls and just a bunch of bunch of good stuff. man. if you've never had Chinese bao, it's really, really good. Shout out to our friend Whitley Dykes. Um, they get you in and out really quickly. So if you ever see a line, don't worry. It moves quickly. Go check out the Irritable Bao restaurant downtown Auburn and uh, tell them Auburn Live sent you. All right, let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back into another edition of the Auburn Live Show. It is uh, Friday morning uh, as you watch this, another college football weekend on the horizon. Appreciate everybody joining us. I am Justin Hokinson from AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. So make sure you're a subscriber of AuburnLive.com if you're not. Um, $10 a month right now, which is just crazy. Um, So make sure you're a part of that. 
with, as always on Fridays, we'd like to welcome in uh, our good buddy Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. Barrett, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. Just uh, getting ready for the uh, for the Major League Baseball playoffs, and uh, gonna have to gonna have to orchestrate and organize my uh, baseball attendance schedule around college football, which is never easy to do. Man, hey, how about my Cardinals making a, a run oh. out of nowhere? <laughs> Did that, how, how crazy was that? Like, I know you're a Cardinals fan, but I mean, not in anybody's wildest dreams did I think they'd be able to, to rip off 17 straight. <laughs> so unbelievable. Uh, but we'll see. The Cardinals, man, they're just—they're one of those—they're one of those franchises the last twenty years that you know you just never know. I mean, they're yeah. always pretty, pretty solid, pretty consistent. Yep. Um, all right, let's jump into this, man. College football weekend. Let's talk about Auburn. Let's lead things uh, off with Auburn, and then we'll talk uh, a little bit national on the back end. Um, nothing really going on in Auburn. Pretty quiet <laughs> as always. Uh, so as as Auburn gets into conference play, no, man, what a weekend. Um, Georgia State—they squeak it out. I have no idea what happened in the first first half of that football game. Um, and then, of course, Sunday happens, and, and we actually broke the news of Cornelius Williams firing, which was shocking. Um, and now Auburn gets ready for, for LSU, potentially starting T.J. Finley, who came to Auburn from LSU. So <laughs> an eventful, eventful few days. I guess just let's go back real quick. What were your thoughts on on the weekend, the close the close game against Georgia State, and then the Cornelius Williams firing? You know, what were just some of your takes on on those two events on Saturday and Sunday for Auburn? I mean, it just seems like Auburn's defensive front is just kind of okay at best. Which I, it's been a while since we said something like that, so uh, that stuck out to me. And then obviously, uh, it was time for a change with Bo. Uh, TJ came in, he did a great job, you know, being put in that situation uh, in a big game is one thing, but in, in a game that you're even as a backup quarterback supposed to win and win handily uh, to dig yourself out of a ditch like that is, is pretty darn solid. So, uh, you know, I, I think that it was time. It was clear that that Bo Nix, the, the, the course has been run, right? Like we know what we're going to get with him, especially on the road. Uh, and so TJ Finley's unknown. And Okay, yeah. I mean, you don't know what he can do uh, as a member of the Auburn Tigers on the road. We did see what we, he could do as a member of the LSU Tigers on the road last year. But would you take the unknown over what Bowden Nix provides on the road? I, I I would just because he's the hot hand. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be an interesting scenario. I think there's a lot of complications. So my, my thought on this is. Um, Auburn should go with TJ Finley. Yes. Um, for, for against LSU. I think that he earned that opportunity. He came in, he made plays, which is what you asked him to do. He did that. Uh, you you kind of know what you got with Bo Nix. He he just hasn't, you know, and it's not all his fault. It's probably it's I mean, it's there's still there's a lot of issues, but um they needed a spark. Finley gave it to you, period. Um and I also think you got to gauge the team. Brian Harson's the only one that can do that. I think you got to look at the team and figure out, hey, if I if I go start Knicks, mm-hmm. if Knicks were the guy, if if Finley were somebody else and he just he kind of came in and, and made a play, whatever, but if but Knicks was the guy, like Knicks had won him a division in the last couple of years or something like that, I could get going back to Knicks. But um I, I think the team respects Finley. I think they respect Knicks, but I, I think you run the risk of if you start Bo Knicks having your teammates go, huh. Like that dude, TJ came in and did what you told him to do, won the game. Why and he started? I mean, not not a knock on Knicks. I don't think they don't like Knicks. I just think you run the risk of 
opening up a can of worms there that you don't need to don't need to open. I think that the I think the one uh, I guess unknown in this is it's LSU at LSU mm-hmm. with TJ Finley. That's the one thing where you're throwing that it's a wrench thrown into the situation where you're like, okay, Finley should probably be the starter, but then you got to go. But man, what kind of emotions and nerves is he going to have to deal with starting for the first time at Auburn with that pressure? And it's at LSU, the place you just left. It just adds, it adds a whole nother level that you're just not normally going to have to deal with. But I think you just got to roll with it. I mean, I, I don't think that's a big enough factor to go, ooh, I don't want to throw him out there and he and he's and there's too much going on. And maybe we maybe we should let him come off the bench. I think if he's earned the right, he's earned the right, and you just figure the rest out. Yeah, I think that's I, that's what I would do too. I, I just devil's advocate. You know what you're gonna get from TJ Finley off the bench. Like we saw that already. We don't know how Bo Nix is gonna handle being a backup. Like if, if they start Finley and it doesn't work out and they have to go to Bo, what kind of backup is he? We know what TJ Finley is as a backup. So, you know, look, there's there's no right answer or wrong answer because everybody weighs different factors. But I just, to me, like you said, you have to roll with the hot hand. You have to to, to go with the guy who, you know, pulled you out of a hole uh, last uh, last week that the players trust and played hard for. So, you know, it's, I think either way, uh, Brian Harson is going to have questions to answer. Uh, if it doesn't work out. And honestly, he's just got to roll the dice at this point. He's going to have to trust himself and his instinct. And my gut is that it's going to be TJ Fenley. Yeah. Well, and, and look, he did it during the game. I mean, you're, you're losing at home in your fourth game as Auburn head coach to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. And you've got the guts to pull Bo Nix a legacy and a three-year starter and put TJ Finley in that ballgame. No, and I don't know. I don't know. TJ Finley's going to play Auburn. Yeah. I mean, you know, so – uh, that was a gutsy decision. I mean, some people might have thought it was an easy decision. I, I don't, I don't think it was that easy. I think there's yeah. a lot of things going on there. The easy thing is maybe just stick with Bo and, um, you know, and just say, well, we had a lot of problems. It wasn't just the, it wasn't just the quarterback. Um, and so, so putting Finley in there, I think is, uh, it's, you know, it was, a, I think it was a pretty bold, a pretty bold move. I will say, yeah. I really like, I don't know why exactly it didn't work with TJ Finley and LSU last year. I mean, that, that whole team had issues. TJ didn't, you know, he had a, some good, I guess, a good game right. South Carolina. I played okay. Auburn. It's weird for Auburn though. Cause you're like, cause if you're Auburn, you, you, you destroyed uh, LSU and TJ Finley last year. So yeah. it's, it's a little odd. Cause you're sitting here thinking, okay, Finley would have been probably their third string quarterback for LSU. Um, like best case scenario, he's second. Um, but it's weird because you're like Auburn. You're, you're thinking we we smoked this guy last year. Like who is TJ Finley this year? I mean, I I don't I don't know. All I know is from listening to him at Auburn, he's a, he's a really mature sounding kid. And from what I saw in that Georgia State game, seems to have his head on his shoulders. Made some really calm, poised plays. Um, so I'm curious to see what he looks like. In that environment, I can't imagine a more nerve-wracking environment for him to start his first game at Auburn in Baton Rouge and LSU, the place he just left. Like, if he can look somewhat calm, let's say he starts. <laughs> if he looks calm in the first quarter of that game, I'd, I'd be really impressed. I'm just curious to see what version of TJ Finley we get if he's the starter. Like, what's he look like? Well, yeah, I am too. And here's the thing, too. 
if you're LSU, right, if you're if you're Durante Jones, you're looking at Auburn thinking, OK, they're going to roll with Bo Nix or TJ Finley. So that means you're going to get a hefty, hefty dose of Tank Bigsby, right? Like that's it's a fair assumption if you're a defensive coordinator to assume no matter who starts that it's going to be all Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter right out of the gate. Well, if you're yeah. Mike Bobo, don't you know that Durante Jones is thinking that? Don't wouldn't part of the game plan or at least a thought process be, all right, like if TJ Finley, let's go air it out. Like let's just let's just sling it around early and see what happens. Like that that realistically could be something that happens. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I mean, Auburn's got well, and the other thing is LSU's they they come after the quarterback so well. Now mm-hmm. the, the, I say that. And people have made a lot about LSU at leading the nation in sacks. They only had one against Mississippi State. Now, yeah. Mississippi State, I mean, you know, maybe it's their style. They can aerate it a little bit. So maybe sometimes they get rid of the ball. They ran the ball pretty well in LSU, too. So um, curious to see if that LSU defensive front, if they're exactly how those numbers numbers play out. Yeah. But I think you make a good point. I mean, could Auburn come out? T.J. Finley's got a great arm. He can make all the throws. Um I don't know that he's any more accurate than Bo Nix right now. And he missed on some throws too. TJ did. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if, uh, if they come out and try to throw the ball a little bit more, get, get, get the ball out of his hands. Um, yeah. Because Georgia state loaded the box. And when tank Bigsby was in the game, they completely keyed on tank Bigsby. Yeah. Um, and when Jarquez was in the game, they did it a little bit less, which is why Hunter had a more normal game in terms of yards per carry is kind of more to his norm. When Bigsby yeah. was in there, it was like we're focusing on Bigsby, and if he doesn't get the ball, all right, we'll we'll deal with it. So Auburn's gonna have to figure out teams that want to stack the box. What do you, what do you, how uh, do you react to what it? You, what you're yeah, what with. do you do about that? Yeah, but that receiver position. Let's talk about the receiver position because obviously the Cornel, Cornelius Williams news uh, is shocking and goes with that. What did you make of that? And the only thing I could think of was Tony Franklin. Uh, that's pretty much what everybody yeah. thought of. It's just a midseason just firing of an assistant is just in four games in, it's not even mid-season. Um, what was your immediate reaction when you heard that heard that news? Well, when when you texted me, I thought it was a fake account. I thought I thought <laughs> you were t- I thought you had created a burner account or something and just making stuff up. So yeah, it's odd, you know, right? Like I it felt like there was some I wouldn't say pent up frustration, but you kind of go back and, and think about the summer and there was a lot of you know, criticism from Brian Harson about the wide receivers and how critical it was and that they're not performing and things like that. So, I mean, it, it almost was like it was immediate, which was strange to me that, you know, through 15 practices after spring or, you know, 25 or whatever it was in mid-August that you're already making snap judgments on, on where a, a developmental unit is. And so, and I didn't think the wide receivers were that bad. I mean, they weren't great really for Auburn so far. I'd say maybe, you know, they, maybe they lost the Penn state game. I don't know. I mean, like they, they had a couple key drops and maybe things go differently, but it wasn't really the wide receiver. So I was surprised and yeah, definitely thought of Tony Franklin. And I think pretty much everybody associated with Auburn did too. Um, but uh, very strange. But I guess like having somebody who he's familiar with on staff is maybe what, you know, if, if you're going to make that decision and you've already got somebody serving in that role, at least as a sounding board, I guess it makes it easier to transition. Yeah. And that's where I come. By the way, Tony Franklin apparently was also thinking about Tony Franklin. <laughs> because <laughs> who, who knew, I mean, like, where did that come from? Guy's right? got a podcast. I mean, uh, 
I had no um, idea you had a podcast. No, <laughs> I was like, wait gosh. a minute, I'm going to start listening to this. Out of nowhere, um, he's got some strong opinions, but uh, uh, but but Franklin uh, coached Cornelius at Troy. I mean, this is, yeah. of course, he's going to take his back. Um, very odd deal. Look, I, I, I like Harson's approach overall. I, I can't find so far, I can't find a lot of fault in, 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 in many things Brian Harson's done so far. Um, there's a, there's a certain amount we don't know and we'll have to wait and see, but like the way he's approached, the way he talks about building a program and and building a culture and setting expectations for his players and getting out there and being in the middle of it. I can't fault any of that. I mean, I think he's done everything, everything right in terms of gaining trust and what it's going to take to build a program. Um, this, this move was, it was shocking and it's hard to not, you know, some, some fans on, on our board uh, have, have thought maybe there's a little bit more skepticism the last few, you know, because of that decision or, you know, did fans turn on Harson a little bit like, wait, what? I think he brought that on. So when you fire a coach four games in, I think it's very natural for everybody to go, hold on, wait, what? Like yeah. what's going on? That's, that's not normal. It's not, uh, it's not usual. And um, either, either he wasn't completely on board with Cornelius Williams. And, and, and so he just, he never had a good feeling about him. Um, I think the big factor was like you mentioned, Eric Keesaw being there, having an experience with Harson as a receivers coach, uh, being an OC with Harson. There was such a trust there. Honestly, I don't even know why Keesaw wasn't the receivers coach. Right. I mean, it seems exactly. like I, I mean, looking at that, it's like, why was he brought to be an analyst? Now, from, wh- from what I understand, I think he was brought to eventually be on the staff, but it's like, why wouldn't, why didn't he just make him the receivers coach right out of the gate? I, I don't know. I mean, did they, you know not, they did, did they just not want a bunch of boys? They don't want it to look like it was a Boise invasion. I just, it's just an I, yeah, odd probably. thing. Well, and well, here's the thing too. You know, we talked about it when, when Harson got hired that it drastically, you know, shifted the power structure of Auburn uh, and kind of shrunk the circle of influence. I mean, to me, I don't know, maybe it suggests that Cornelius was not necessarily a Harson hire that they needed Southern people. They needed recruiting people with recruiting ties uh, specifically to the state of Alabama. So you know, here's Cornelius who fits, you know, checks all those boxes. Um, you know, may, to me, it, this might just be Harson continuing to take control and ownership of the program and continue to, you know, shrink that circle of influence, uh, which yeah. is, I mean, honestly, if you're Auburn, yeah, it's odd. You know, you, you don't necessarily know if this is going to work out, but the fact that he's, you know, taking ownership and making it, you know, a, a personal, you know, mission to not only win, but win the exact way he wants to win. That's not necessarily how Auburn has worked ever. And he's trying to change that. And Alan Green tried to change it when he hired Brian Harson. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and it's not to say that the decision wasn't justified. I, I, I'm not in the room. You're not in the room. The receivers had issues both in dropping passes and alignment things. Yeah. I mean, when Harson's talking about that stuff, he's not he's not making it up. He clearly is seeing some spacing issues. And then, you know, you go back and look, I saw it when it happened during the game, but then it it went on Twitter a little bit, but the last drive of the game for Auburn against Georgia state on one of the plays they're they're short one man, they're short a receiver. And you see Kalen Newton run on the field. So you got to think that, that stuff like that, Harson's, you know, you're like, I mean, come on. That's basic stuff. That's first few days of of spring practice stuff. So I think clearly, I think there was things, Cornelius wasn't doing well, but four games in makes me think um, 
that that that, that Cornelius was in a tough spot clearly yeah. from the beginning because you had Keysaw in there, kind of over, looking over his shoulder a little bit, probably. And I, I I'm kind of with you. I think Cornelius Williams was not the first choice. I think he was hired because he's in state. He's he went to high school in Birmingham. He had those recruiting yeah. ties. And he's a good recruiter. He's a good coach. He was he was thought pretty well of. I just think, yeah. hey, all right, let's bring him in. Let's see if he can learn it. Let's see if he can fit. And if not, I, I Keysaw, I'm going to bring Keysaw in. He can help. He can help Cornelius grow and develop. And four games in, it just wasn't happening. And Harson yeah. just it doesn't have you know. I mean, just kind of an unusual move. But he decided, I'm cord. not. I'm not. Yeah, cutting the cords. Pull the bandaid off and let's go. So yeah. just a weird a weird thing. But I think it's fair to try to question it and figure out the logic because it's an unusual move. I think it's perfectly fair to go, wait, what, you know, what's the what exactly, yeah. yeah, what's going on. And I don't think it'll be the, the last, co- look, Brian Harson's going to go through some coaches in these first two years. I'm just telling yeah, you. Yeah, he, he's trying to build his culture. And I think his first staff at Auburn, he's trying to figure things out and, and, and bring guys in maybe with Auburn experience or SEC experience or, you know, you're not going to get it right, right off the bat. And he's going to, there are going to be, after this season, there will be more assistants that let go. There might be more coordinators that leave. And so yeah. that's going to, I think fans just get used to it. First couple of years, I bet you there's going to be a decent amount of turnover. Um, maybe even more personnel that transfer until yeah. he gets that culture right. Um, all right, let's talk about this LSU game. They're going to Baton Rouge, uh, slight underdog. Um LSU passing game looked pretty good against Mississippi State, uh, but but LSU's got their issues as well. I think it's going to be a close game. What do you what do you think the what do you think are the factors in this game for 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 Auburn to win for LSU to win? Like, what are the one or two things you think it'll come down to? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's kind of like a pillow fight uh, on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> uh, you know, LSU can't run the football. Their offensive line's been. Uh, been a disappointment and then Auburn just kind of goes in these lulls where just like nothing happens on the defensive front. It just like, doesn't it? It's just kind of, you know, they go through the motions. So, you know, I think that's the biggest one. Um, you know, I think the the other big issue obviously is at quarterback um, for Auburn, but you know, for LSU, you know, what, who's Max Johnson going to be? What's Max Johnson going to be? If, if Auburn finds a way to continue to, um, you know, slow down that running game, you know, can can Max go out there and find Keyshawn, Keyshawn Boutte, you know, 10 times or whatever? Um, you know, Auburn secondary is experienced and smart enough to know, um, you know, kind of what what LSU is expecting. They know these guys' strengths. They know these guys' weaknesses. So I think it's it's probably those three things. Uh, quarterback for Auburn being obviously the most important. But uh, I do think that um, when, when LSU's got the ball, the battle in the trenches is going to be really interesting to follow. And, uh, yeah, you know, honestly, I have no idea who would actually win that battle on a more consistent basis because, you know, both have struggled. Yeah, that I'm surprised that LSU's struggled run, running the ball a little bit. I mean, that's unusual yeah. for them. They're, they're only at 80 yards per game rushing. Um, but they're, they're, they're a good passing team. I like Max Johnson. Um, I think he's got a bunch of ability. They, they hit a lot of big plays in, in the passing game. And so, I mean, that, that's been a huge weakness for Auburn. Yeah. Um, and then, and then you look at the other strength for LSU has been rushing the passer and that's kind of also been an issue with Auburn is giving up some pressure. And so I, you know, I think that. Uh, well, and that's another, that's another reason to start TJ Finley because yeah. we know what Bo Nix is under pressure, right? Like we've yeah. seen that before. Not good. Yeah. yeah. We don't, we don't, I mean, TJ, the limited time that we've seen TJ at Auburn, you know, specifically on the fourth down play did all right. Yeah. Yeah, so 
I think, uh, you know, we talked to the to, to Auburn players this week, and they said, you know, especially Nick Brahms, we talked to uh, – and Berdaria Sam. Sorry, not – we talked to Berdaria Sam. He said it's on them. It's on the offensive line. I mean, they're, they're yeah. going to have to play their best game, protect the quarterback, run the football. Um, they're going to have to really be hitting all cylinders. I'm really curious to see what Derek Mason does. This is kind of his yeah. second chance now. Okay, here's, here's, here's chance number two. Uh, mm -hmm. let's see what you do on defense. Are you going to play a similar style like you did against Penn state and just say, well, we just need to execute it better. Or, yeah. or do you think it's a legit scheming issue that, that Hey, I just messed up. I, I didn't, I didn't approach that correctly. We're going to, we're going to approach this a little bit differently. Uh, Max Johnson, when he's pressured is not nearly as good. Um, yeah. so I'm really curious to see, because if Mason doesn't change, if it, if it looks similar, then, I, then there's a then there's a problem because now now we're talking about a philosophical deal where Mason's like no no that's what we're doing you just got to yeah. do it better um, versus okay wait a minute this is the SEC I need to be a little more aggressive uh, so I'm I'm really curious to see what he does there because to me you've got Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Pritchett you've got two corners that're going to play in the NFL yeah um, and McCreary might be a first rounder late first or early second rounder. And I think you're t they're taken out of the game somewhat when they're playing so much zone. I mean, McCreary is like second or third on the team in tackles. Mm -hmm. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of happen. sense. So I just – those guys need to be a little bit more involved maybe in the game. To me, Max Johnson, Butte, they're going to they're gonna pick you apart mm -hmm. if you play that zone nonsense again. So I'm just – I'm really curious to see what does Mason do. Does he learn? Does he, does he really make some adjustments there um, and be more aggressive? Because Auburn's got speed. I think to rush the quarterback if they use it properly. Derek Hall, yeah. Romello Height, TD Moultrie, Owen Papo, those guys can get after the quarterback um, if they're used properly. Of course, if I'm LSU, I don't know how many tight ends they have, but I would be throwing to them all. I'd be like, well, <laughs> let's, see if, let's see if they figured this out yet. Yeah, well, uh, one pop, one, pop one tape on, and that should be uh, abundantly clear. But no, I mean, you're right. Uh, but the thing is, like, Derek's been, been around for so long. I have to think that he just screwed up against Penn state and that he recognizes that because he doesn't, he's never really struck me as the stubborn type uh, energetic. Yeah. But I, I, to me, I think it was just a mixed misdiagnosis of what really, you know, that, that uh, Penn state offense was capable of. And uh, I'd be surprised if he got stubborn and, and uh, tried to impose a philosophy that wasn't uh, appropriate. Yeah. Um, how big a game is this for Auburn, man? I mean, it's it's people ask me on the board. They said, you know, I think before the season, eight and four was like, you know, people seem to be fine eight and four. That was possible. That was doable. And they would be fine with eight and four. Yeah. Now you're looking at it going, okay, you got a loss. <laughs> Arkansas and Ole Miss are now better than you thought. Uh, eight, eight and four to me now looks like a great season. If yeah. you go, if you go, what are they sitting at? Three and one. So you talk five and three. If they go five and three in the SEC with, it, with what they've got coming up, I and mean, they got four straight ranked games after LSU coming up. Man, eight and four looks way better. Eight and four now looks like nine and three did uh, yeah. before before the season. Are you are you there? Could they be six and six? I mean, how 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 huge is this LSU game if they lose? Uh, it's big, but I still don't buy Arkansas all that much. Um, I, I think you know Texas A and M's Texas A and M. You kind of know what they are at this point, and I mean, honestly, Ole Miss, I love Ole Miss, but it just depends on what Ole Miss you run into that day. I mean, they could, they could be awesome or they could be bad, and they're probably not going to be anything in between. Uh, and right now we've seen a lot of really good. So 
Yeah, I mean, seven and five is. I think I had them seven and five to begin the season anyway, including a loss to Penn State, uh, and that's still that's still kind of where I am. I just think that you know that they're good enough to win a couple of toss-up games, and if you can win a couple of toss-up games, then then eight and four is 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 certainly possible, and seven and five is is tolerable. Um, six and six shouldn't be not with uh, the talent they have. Yeah, I'm with you on seven and five. I think seven and five. If if you put a gun to my head right now, I, I would go seven and five. Yeah. Um, that that puts them four more losses, and you've got, like I said, pretty tough. You got think Georgia and Alabama. You got to think those are losses, and so then you're talking about two more yeah. out of Arkansas, Ole Miss, <clears throat> LSU, uh, South Carolina, A&M. and and A and M. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I mean, let's see more of the season if Ole Miss and Arkansas. Let's see if they cool down at all. Um, the thing about Auburn now, though, it's it, it's literally week to week. I mean, Penn State, you're going, hey, <laughs> people think Penn State is the sixth best team in the country right now. So Auburn you can back, hang. Go, Auburn can hang. And then a week later, that happens with Auburn. So um, Auburn's got so many things to figure out. You know, what do they look like if Finley's like a halfway decent quarterback? I mean, you mean what to if, say what they... things are unstable at Auburn? Never. <laughs> what do they look like if they stop busting assignments? Like Auburn's, <laughs> Auburn's, Auburn's a couple of tweaks away from going. I mean, why can't they beat Arkansas or Ole Miss or A and M? I mean, if they can figure out a couple of things, but then there are also a couple of things from you know, like outside <laughs> of South Carolina, losing State. them all, <laughs> yeah, yeah. losing Georgia State. So it's just, uh, man, I don't know. I think. Um, I think Carson, it'll be interesting um, to to see his approach throughout this year if they if they lose to LSU. You know, yeah. uh, he's such a process guy. Does he ever? I'm just change up his process. How, to, yeah, yeah. And he's not used to losing. He's not used to yeah. losing. If they start a losing streak, what is that going to do to him? Yeah, he could get desperate. But I mean, honestly, he's already made some pretty pretty uh, smart decisions with a ton of pressure in his face. So I mean, it like you said earlier, it takes a pretty big pretty pretty big. Uh, uh, pretty swallowing your pride a little bit and a lot of guts to, to do what he did uh, putting Finley in. Uh, and like, you know, he even joked after the game. I don't know if you were, I mean, I assume you were on the zoom call where he said, look, we tried the, we changed the offensive line. We changed yes. a little bit with the running backs. We changed a little bit with the wide receivers. There was nothing left for me to do. I mean, yeah. that's good that he figured out that that's the way to, to operate. So yeah, I mean, he hasn't been in situations like this before and it'll be interesting to see how, how he reacts, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, seven to five, eight and four, perfectly fine you've already i think kind of got a glimpse of what brian harson's all about as a coach and it's mostly good so in year one that's that's pretty much all you can ask for yeah that was a funny comment by the way he's like well i, I changed this 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 so why, why there wasn't anything left to do yeah um and finley by the way repeated that which i thought was funny basically it's almost like he read the post game and then he repeated that answer on uh, espn baton rouge uh, which is a really good interview. I don't know if you listened to that. Yeah, um, really impressive. I mean, TJ Finley. I mean, he's talking about, yeah. hey, whether it's my opportunity or not, it's not what it's about. I'm going to stay ready. I'm going to stay prepared. Um, and I came away, you know, and I listened to Bo Nix earlier in the week as well in, on, in Birmingham. And again, I came away thinking, look, I, I don't know who's going to start for Auburn. I don't know who's going to start at quarterback or who's going to be the guy. But I, but I do think you got two pretty mature guys yeah. that are about that are about leading the team. I, so I, I guess I'm not worried right now about there being an issue internally. I think you got two guys that want to win, that respect each other, two decent human beings. So at, at least that's a good thing. You don't yeah. have, you know, it'd be, it'd be weird if Finley came in and was really cocky and was like, I don't care about Bo Nix. I'm, that could be an issue. 
or have both thought I- I'm an Auburn legacy. Like, who are you? Um, yeah. But I don't think you have that. So, I mean, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. They seem to support each other. And you know, that's again, it's it, I'm, Bo Nix even said it. He goes, I think it was, yeah, it was on the thing in Birmingham. He's like, no, it sucks. I mean, I, I'm a competitor. I don't want to get benched, but he, he said basically he deserved it and understood and, you know, cheered Finley on and supported him. And, you know, if, if both of them can act that way, then I think it, it certainly would, that kind of attitude trickles through a locker room. And ultimately that is a big part of why teams are successful. That might be a little bit of a different bar this year for Auburn, just because of, of all the changes and, you know, but that certainly it, it changes the way players in a program approach the program. And, that's a good thing. And from a quarterback position, if you can have two guys acting like that, it doesn't just help this year, but a lot of those players that are younger see that and will bring that same attitude to next year than the year after. So what's your final word on this game? I, I, I'll tell you what I think. And, and, and again, I'm, I lean cynical, like against Penn State. <laughs> I, I, I never thought they were going to beat Penn State. I just didn't like the scenario. I, you know, I, I kind of went pretty much like I thought. I don't know where this is coming from, but but there's a sneaky optimism in me about Auburn going and in, going to this game and playing well. Um, I, I could be, you know, look, Finley could go there. In Baton Rouge. They could throw right. I, I really do. I think they're going to go play well, and it's going to be up for grabs in the fourth quarter. And uh, it's just a weird enough scenario in this series. It's a weird it's, enough scenario. Everything in this series is weird. <laughs> for for Auburn to break the it. It, for Auburn to break the streak 20-plus years with an LSU quarterback just makes too much sense to me. It does make sense. It, <laughs> it does. does it, it's very yeah. on brand. It's very on brand. Um, no, I think LSU is going to win. I think, you know, I think it's going to be Finley. I think there's going to be a chance in the fourth quarter. Auburn will have its shots. I just kind of feel like LSU is going to score more points than um, maybe a lot of folks expect. I think their offense is – um pretty dynamic and even if it is you know one dimensional they're still going to have success through the air especially considering Auburn hasn't really been able to generate pressure so I think LSU wins uh but I I'm not like just chalking it up as a loss just because it's Baton Rouge I think Auburn certainly loves a chance yeah um it's gonna be it's gonna be a good game and the other thing TJ Finley said that I'm curious to, to, to know is he thinks he has the advantage over LSU because he knows them better. He's like, he, he kind of thinks they don't quite know, hey, I've changed a lot. I've grown, I've yeah. matured. Uh, I'm a, I, I'm, I, I think I'm a different quarterback. And and so he's he's kind of thinking, I don't, they might know me, but I, they might not know me. They don't know right this now. Man. Yeah. And in, in, in this offense. And he's like, well, I know you guys. And so I, that's an interesting thing to watch too, is is that something that gives TJ Finley a little bit of comfort? Yeah, well, he knows, com- he, he yeah. practiced against these guys. Like he knows yeah. their weaknesses. And he's been in the stadium. He's never been. He's never been on the visiting side, but he's played in that stadium plenty. So it's not like yeah. he's walking in going, "Whoa!" He's been to Whiteout, and now he's played in that stadium. So the moment's not going to be anything special for him. I don't no, think. and well, and it's like we talked about before the Penn State game too. Some of these LSU guys actually spent a lot of these LSU players because they were so young last year haven't been in that stadium in that atmosphere either. They just yeah. you know because of limited attendance last year. So it's it's a different wrinkle for sure. And of course, Auburn's going to get uh, coming off COVID, where nobody's been in a full stadium. They're like, "All right, Auburn, in your first five games, you get to go to Penn State and LSU, where those people are so pent up and so ready to be in a in a sold out environment, two of the largest stadiums in the country." And Auburn gets to go uh, 
to go try their hand. That's of course. Well, that's here's the thing, out. though. Here's what I was thinking: like 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central. Could that be too long for them to pregame? <laughs> like, is there is there like a level like when you're playing golf, right? Like you had the level where there's two or three beers where your mechanics are still fine, you can still yeah. you know play pretty effectively, and then like that one drop of beer number four, and your mechanics just completely fall apart. Maybe that's the case <laughs> with uh, with LSU fans this week. They might peak a little early. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> like, By the time they get in the second half, like, hey, my head hurts. Yeah, yeah, it dies down a little sleep. bit. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's a good point. That's, by the way, ridiculous. Why are we starting games at 8 p.m. Central I, in Louisiana? Um, we're we're just, very old people complaining about that, but I agree. <laughs> it's just insane. All right, um, college football weekend, two massive games in the SEC, Alabama Ole Miss and Georgia Arkansas. Um, I, I think you're going to agree with me on this. I think Georgia wins by like 17 more, maybe more. I think like more. I, yeah. I, uh, I, I like, I think Arkansas has shown really good defense can run the ball tough. They, they seem to be doing everything right. Um, but, but this is, this is going to be a wake up call, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Arkansas fans like to say, Oh, well, you know, they haven't played a top 80 deep or offense. So that defense isn't that good. I'm like, have you, have you watched Georgia? Like, I, I don't care who they're playing. That defense is insane. And K.J. Jefferson ain't beaten them. <laughs> you know, I like – K.J. Jefferson was good last week. Good for him for coming out, especially injured. Awesome, dude. Good job. But this is a little different. So uh, – and then, I mean, I know Georgia had its struggles against Clemson offensively, but I kind of think that they just recognized that that was kind of the pace of the game and they didn't try to do anything and J.T. was hurt. So – you know, whatever, just put it in neutral and, and be done with it. Um, they're a lot more dynamic now than, than I think a lot of folks expected. And that's going to not work well for Arkansas, a defense that doesn't necessarily have that kind of team speed. <clears throat> yeah, interesting. So Sam Pittman goes back to Georgia and Lane Kiffin playing, you know, his former protege a little bit and, and Nick Saban in Ole Miss, Alabama. I think that's the game everybody's keyed on. Can Ole Miss – you know, are they for real? I think we all think the offense is for real. It, it is for real. Let's. It is for real. It's a talented, yeah, talented this offense is the defense. and a great play caller. Um, Alabama has been great. Not, you know, offensively. They can't run the ball. Not, yeah, not exactly what they've been the last couple of years. I think I even saw a stat on temp, uh, tempo. Not that they're Alabama, some super high tempo, but they, their ability to play fast is there. But they're way down in, in that. They're not. They're not moving at some fast pace at all. And Ole Miss will. Um, so I think there's, I think it's a very interesting game. I don't, I don't see why this isn't a ball game entering the fourth quarter. hundred uh, percent agree. Um, and look, I think Ole Miss's defense is uh, significantly better than last year, which I mean, just average nationally is significantly better than last year, but like, here's the thing, are they good enough to get a few stops on Alabama? Right. And with the way Alabama's running game has been, the answer is, yeah, I mean, they, they are, they're not necessarily going to do it every time, but they are. And so does, does Alabama cash in on those red zone opportunities with six instead of three, Uh, you know, theoretically, yeah. And generally they do, but you know, it's that defense, I think is good enough to get a couple of stops and, and force Alabama into situations where it has to slow down that offense and what do we know about saving defenses right like tempo drives them crazy and i think it was last game for ole miss i think it's yes the last game because they were off last weekend that the average play when they were running tempo got snapped within eight seconds of the play clock starting 
And that does not work against Nick Saban does not like that. He is anti-tempo. So, you know, you, you throw in the talent that they've got and, you know, the play calling of Lane and, and Jeff Levy, then, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it'll be in the, in the fourth quarter, Alabama or uh, Ole Miss will have, have the ball with a chance. There's no doubt. Do you think this looks like last year? Because this is the game last year that produced, like, the most ridiculous stat <laughs> of all time. Like, Ole Miss, Ole Miss only stopped about 40 possible yards against <laughs> against Alabama. Alabama gained every yard they possibly could with the exception of about 40 yards in that football game. It's, it's incredible. It's like 700 yards of offense. Um, and Ole Miss was still in it. And so – is that what we're looking at again? I mean, is this yeah. going to be is 45 to 40? Yeah, uh, be, uh, probably even more than that. <laughs> the over-under is 79 and a half. Like, that's just oh – think about, like, if you were, say, in 2011, yeah, there's going to be a game that Nick Saban coaches in at Alabama where the over-under is almost 80. <laughs> Called insane. No way. Yeah. Um, no, it's going to be like last year. And think about last year, too. Like, Ole Miss was in that game. You know, there was, a, I think, a fourth down stop, and then, you know, Lane punted when he probably shouldn't have or something like that. But those that just drastically changed everything, and Alabama ran away at the end. It's going to be – yeah, I mean, it could, that same thing could happen. It would be on Lane uh, and that coaching staff to make the proper decisions, which, uh, you know, Lane learns his lesson. He, he's, he, he's not opposed to learning lessons and trying new things. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot like that. I mean, that's, that's why. I can't wait to see it. That's going to be a five-hour game. This going to be five hours of, a, of just nonstop action. Oh, my gosh. Is that the, that's the 2.30 CBS game? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that game's going until uh, – I'm in Central. Until so Auburn LSU yeah, kicks off. Yeah, I'm, that game's going to end in well, about an hour until Auburn LSU at 8. Um, yep. That game's going to be – so, dude, Ole Miss wins that game. I mean, are they – I mean, how, how do they not make the playoff? I mean, they're on. They're in. I guess you got to get. You know, maybe they face Georgia, but man, they win that game, and we're seriously, seriously, seriously talking about Ole Miss as one of the six teams that's in line to get in the playoff. If they yeah, I mean, well, and think about it. You know, they they have a two game lead in the West because I mean, everyone sort of expects Alabama to win the West. I mean, if there's a yeah. tiebreaker, then whatever. But you have a two game lead on Alabama. You have the the heads up and the and the one game you know split. So I, if, if they beat Alabama. Do you see two losses on their schedule? I don't. I mean, no, no, no. You know, it would have to be a team that can play basketball on grass. And you look at the SEC West. I mean, maybe LSU could do that at some point, but not likely. And then everybody else, little offensively challenged. So yeah, I mean, it, it could be it could be a lot different come Saturday night. Uh, let's end on this. What other storylines are you watching uh, throughout college football? What else should we be? We're all focused in. Most of the people that listen to this podcast are, are obviously focused in on Auburn and, and the SEC. What else is going on SEC-wise uh, or, or nationally that, that you think is, is interesting this weekend? I mean, Cincinnati at Notre Dame. And think about this. That's like yeah. the biggest group of five regular season game ever, right? Like – in terms of the modern era of college football, can you think of a group of five team that's ever been in a bigger game in the regular season? I, I can't. I mean, this would legitimately no. put them in the playoff contention, like legit playoff contention, because I know folks like to, to pile on Notre Dame. I get it. They're polarizing, but they've been to the playoff two of the last three years. Whether people like them or hate them, it doesn't matter. The committee generally does. And if Cincinnati is able to beat Notre Dame, then 
you know, they've got a, a road win at Indiana, which I mean, granted, Indiana is not what, you know, they're not that we expected them to be, but I mean, man, it, it could put Cincinnati legitimately into the playoff because, you know, in an ACC champ, are, are they going to have a resume like Cincinnati's? No, they're not. Yeah. A Pac-12 champ might not either. This could be the year. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. you're already talking about, you know, you're already talking about the dominant team as being just a tad, uh, lower Clemson yeah. already lost. Um, what if Alabama gets upset or doesn't look quite, you know, Alabama, Georgia, what if only one of those gets in? It's 2007 so, yeah. all over again. Yeah. Cincinnati. Mass chaos. Yeah. They've got a great, they've got a great show. That's at Notre Dame, right? Yeah. I did see the comment from uh, Desmond Ritter who said that the crowd was going to be quiet. Just they'll be quiet pretty, pretty quickly. Just I was like, why would you? Like don't say yeah. stuff like that. Like <laughs> you're accomplishing nothing. Like you really, like, that's, if like that, if I'm Nick Saban, or what is it, a Quinn Williams before the uh, Oklahoma <laughs> semifinal? Kyler Murray, I yes. don't think he's up. You want to finish that? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. Like, don't do that. Don't do that stuff. Yeah, that was a dumb. That was a dumb comment. All right, Cincinnati Notre Dame. That's gonna be a fun one. That's gonna be a fun one as well. Yeah, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good game. I can't wait to see that one. And then, like, are we buying Michigan yet? I haven't seen a play. I mean, they're playing Minnesota. They're playing Wisconsin, and like. We kind of know what Wisconsin is, right? But I mean, if Michigan goes out there and, and beats Wisconsin like a drum, are they any different than Penn State and Notre Dame at that point? Uh, probably not, right? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, who's Penn State got? I, I think Penn State is going to luck out right now because of where Auburn was ranked and the fact that was a close game and Auburn's a name. Uh, now, how do you not look at Penn State and go, hold on? Like squeak by Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's yeah. now it's a good law got a couple of losses. Squeak by Auburn. Auburn, you know, what if Auburn loses this Saturday? Now you're looking at Penn State going, uh, maybe yeah. we got a little carried away with ourselves. Maybe well, they wouldn't have any 12. top twenty-five wins then because yeah. Wisconsin would be out and Auburn obviously would be out. So I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's that's the beauty part though. You know, that's why I love this sport. You know, that Auburn Penn State game when it happened, like the, the joy of college football, I know Auburn fans didn't like it, but that was an awesome game. Like that was college yeah. football at its best. And what if by the end of the season, we kind of look at that and say, yeah, it didn't really mean anything, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could. Um, oh, and then you've got, uh, you got Kentucky, Florida, right? Yeah. I, Kentucky, man. In I don't know if I buy right? Will Levis. Do you buy Will Levis? I don't, I, I, don't I don't, well, no, he's kind of fallen off a little bit. I'm not sure yet. I mean, yeah, I mean that, you know, look, sold out, right? It's in it's in Kentucky, right? Yes. So so I mean, it's gonna be a crazy crowd. They think maybe this is their year to do something, whatever do something means for them, because uh, they're not winning the East. Um, no. But Florida rolls in there, whatever, ranked ranked really highly. So I like Florida. I think Florida's done a lot though. I think they've kind of, I don't know, figured out their identity a little bit. Like I think Dan yeah. kind of figured out, hey, let's swallow the pride a little bit and not yeah. try to make Emory Jones something that he's not. And, He's been good, right? He's been Emory. fine. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, they, if they keep him as a – look, I, I, I joked about this, but the more I thought about it, it's accurate. Like, he needs to be Nick Marshall, right? Run, yeah. run, and run, and then figure out six things you do well through the air. Like, or, you know, That's whatever. That's scary. That's scary yeah. with Dan Mullen. I mean, it, it, you're right. If Dan Mullen right now said, I'm doing that, I'm doing 13 Auburn. Like, Dan Mullen's a, a good enough offensive coordinator – 
yeah. to figure that out. And they can already run the ball. You're right. That, that'd be scary. If that I mean, look, I, and like the thing about it is, you know, Nick Marshall at Auburn, he was a pretty effective passer, but he was like the zone read game. I don't think he ever got enough credit for how smart oh. he was and how, like he never made a mistake in that. And yeah, Emory made one on that two point conversion against Alabama, but that's pretty much it. You know, he can do that and, you know, build off of it. And I think that's kind of what Mullen figured out in that Alabama game. Like, all right, like this guy's not going to be, you know, Cam Newton. He's not going to be, you know, uh, you know, Robert Griffin III and be able to stretch the field consistently. That's just not who he is. Yeah. Man, that's a scary thought. It's a dead gum good idea uh, for, for Florida. <laughs> I, I stumble mean, into did, a few of those every once in a while. I mean, that's, yeah, with the, with the way they can already run the ball, if they went that route, uh, there's no telling what Dan Mullen and that team could be could yep. be capable of for the rest of the year. Yep. Um, we'll see how that, that shakes out. I'm excited to have kind of our first conference, you know, big games, conference schedule, into yeah. uh, end conference play rolling. Um, when Auburn LSU is game game number three in terms of <laughs> yeah, right. in the league, that's a, that's a, that's a good uh, that's a good conference slate. Are you trying to say? One. Are you trying to say UConn Vandy is not a huge game? Uh, I I can't. Many, I honestly I can't wait to watch that. I'm not going. Hundred people? Two two five hundred uh, well, people? Get in price right or get in price as of uh, Thursday afternoon was six dollars. <laughs> Six dollars. Look, I don't honestly, you like have to I, pay me. I know it's on. I know it's on. Like at the end of Ole Miss, Alabama, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that though, just a little bit, just to, just as a glutton for punishment or a fan of comedy. Like it seems like it's a good idea. It's gonna look sort of competitive because there's so. It bad. is. You're gonna be like, hey, it's a competitive game. Could it be a real competitive game? Terrible. I know, but I mean, really, I mean, I would guess maybe. Gosh, I mean, they're. There, dude, there. I, I don't. How how are there ten thousand people at that game? How are there eight thousand people at that game? There's no. I don't way. know. And when was the last time you saw Vandy laying fourteen and a half points? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes you know the stars just align for a for a for a game like that. It's just a great matchup, and it all yep. just kind of comes together. The one saw, we've been waiting uh, for. It's the one we've been waiting for. Somebody tweeted a couple weeks ago. They're like, I think I think we've run our course with UConn football. I think we <laughs> I think we're good. I think we can just kind of usher them off into the into the sunset. I think we're I think we've all got our fill. Like we're good now. I think we can just do UConn. UConn, the team that played in a BCS bowl one week before Auburn played in the national championship game in the same stadium. Wow, I forgot about that. UConn, Oklahoma. Was their running back a good running back that year? Right, UConn. Yeah, uh, who was that? And I can't remember now, but they had a really really good Brown, maybe Donald Brown. That That sounds right. That sounds right. Um. Yeah, UConn back in the uh, back, back in the day, the, man. UConn Vandy. All right, well, um, we'll see how it goes. Auburn, Auburn LSU is the one. We're, obviously, we're watching at AuburnLive.com. Auburn hasn't won at LSU since 1999. They haven't won two in a row since 99-2000. Of course, they they beat LSU last year, 48 to 11. So they've got a chance to do that. Um, and LSU's owned this series. They've won 10 of 14. LSU has. Yep. This is. This is why Gus Malzahn ultimately got fired. LSU, he lost yep. a bunch of games. Georgia, he lost Georgia. It's the same. It's worse than ten of fourteen. Yep. It's even worse. So, this is this is Brian Harson's first opportunity. You want to make a move if you're Brian Harson? Go win in Baton Rouge. Yeah, go try go, number one. Go go ruin that streak and go in that yes. streak and then go from there. 
Yes, you go. Oh, and by the way, Georgia, Georgia's coming up the next weekend. Good luck with that. Hey, but that'll. But yeah, by the way, yeah. So if he loses this, it's literally the two games that Gus could never win. LSU, Georgia, and he could start off boom, boom, LL. Not, not great. But man, if he could end that streak, Auburn fans still that seventeen game with Malzahn. They still are like that. Still eats at them. And it was just a regular season game. It didn't really make Auburn still won the West that year. But that game still eats at Auburn fans that he blew a 20-point lead. It was – that was awful. <laughs> that was awful. Yeah. But, you know, that's that's why Gus got fired. You're right, LSU and Georgia. Um, so we'll see how it goes. We'll see if Auburn can uh, can break this streak. They, they seem confident. Smoke Monday said this week that he thinks this team can, can break the streak. And I think they're capable of it too. We've just got to yeah. figure out what kind of Auburn team and can they figure some things out early on offense that – that, that gives Finley a little bit of confidence and can they do some things good early in the game. Yep. All yep. right, Barrett, appreciate it, man. CBSSports.com, make sure and check out Barrett Slee and then Sirius uh, XM on Sunday morning's channel, 84? 84. 84. 84. And if you miss it, mornings. if you miss it, you get 19 more hours of me because they just replay it over and over again. <laughs> nice. That's what we need. Uh, perfect, dude. Appreciate it, man. Have, a, have an awesome weekend and we'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, man. All right, see ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.